I believe the story of Jonah is actually one that shows God's love for the individual. It wasn't just about God saving the Assyrians, it was a story of God pursuing Jonah. The storm was God's love. The fish was God's love. The plant was God's love. God was pursuing Jonah and giving him all sorts of chances. Well, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. This is Pastor Doug at Gospel Chapel. And uh, who thought, who would have known uh, that the story of Jonah would be such a great reflection on the theme of Thanksgiving? Well, th- uh, we want to thank Pastor Ben for speaking uh, so well this past weekend and uh, trust that you will enjoy this message. Hey, we want to connect with you wherever you're at. So you can visit our website at gospelchapelgf.com. And there you can find out a whole bunch more about who we are, what our history is, our staff, our leadership team, our mission and vision, and ways to connect with us. And so we want to pray for you too. So you can find a prayer form on our website uh, and uh, fill that out. We won't share any of that information online or other forums. Your request will come to our staff team and we'll be praying for you on Tuesday afternoons. There's also a, uh, an email that we send out on Thursdays to encourage you to let you know what's going on at Gospel Chapel, and you can subscribe to that from our website as well. Hey, about 75% of our listeners don't subscribe uh, to the podcast, so hey, why don't you do that and hit the subscribe button and you'll get uh, notifications when we upload new content. Again, thanks for... Uh, checking out our podcast this week and uh, be encouraged by what Pastor Ben has to share with us today. God bless. All right. Well, um, it's been quite the week for for me as well. I'll tell you a bit more about that. But today I just wanted to uh, encourage us uh, to take some time to reflect. I think Thanksgiving is a great time for that. Uh, We have a Thanksgiving that uh, we haven't had in a while, uh, perhaps it's just a little easier to get together, a little easier to gather. And, and even if that isn't the case for some of you, I think it's still a great day to reflect, uh, to take stock and to see where God has been at work in our lives. So I want to invite us into this practice today by sharing some of my own reflection, uh, reflections through the lens of uh, Jonah, actually. And so perhaps a little less of a sermon today and a little more of a a testimony. Uh, So this morning we will be reading from the book of Jonah together. We're going to read Jonah. So you can start turning there if you like. It's going to be on the screen. Um, So so take the story in, listen, uh, and we're going to have Matthias, you can make your way up. We're actually, I got Matthias to uh, read the scripture today. Uh, And you can stay seated while he reads. Uh, Actually, uh, oh, here it is. Abe didn't take it to his seat, so there we go. Got it here. Uh, Will this work for you okay? Okay. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Matthias, and you can take it away. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to be reading from the book of Jonah, um, chapters 1 to 4. And I'm just going to pray before I read. Dear God, just thank you so much for your word, and I pray that um, you just open up our ears and just speak to us as uh, we hear your word, Lord, and I pray that, um, yeah, it would just not, not fall on uh, stubborn hearts, Lord, but um, you would just 
have the power to change us in this time, Lord, and just uh, speak to us in a real way, Lord. And uh, yeah, if there's anything, Lord, you want to convict us in this time as well, I pray that you would do so. And we would just uh, go away from here uh, just closer in understanding uh, the will that you have for our lives, Lord. Thanks so much again for your word. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, uh, Jonah chapter 1, 2, 4, starting at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come upon me, has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurried, hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they were hurled, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it, it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped about my head, at the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. 
Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said? when I was yet in my country, that that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being a night in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who did, do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Thanks, Matthias. So in uh, 2003, I was in grade 10. And I was meeting regularly with uh, the youth pastor at the time, which was Chester Weeb, and we were reading through books and, and talking through life, doing discipleship together. 
And it was during this time that he had encouraged me to consider youth ministry and become a youth pastor. And uh, I had thought about it before, but this was the first time that someone spoke something into my life in that way and kind of brought something out and affirmed something in me. And so I, I worked my way toward that, and, uh, and I finished my BA in youth ministry at Briarcrest in 2011. And in the fall of 2011, uh, I took the job here as the full-time youth pastor. I was 23, and I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but I knew I was right where I should be. Shane and I agreed that we wanted to try and commit for at least 10 years uh, here serving at Gospel Chapel uh, in youth ministry. And you fast forward to January 2020. I'm halfway through my ninth year as the youth pastor, and I'm starting to get the sense that my days are numbered here. I never really thought of doing anything else in my entire life. And quite honestly, 10 years when we set out, I thought would kind of just be our, our baseline. And I assumed it would be a lot more than that. And I put these thoughts aside for now, and I was terrified to say them out loud because then they might be real. And I didn't even want to say them out loud to Shana. And then spring break 2020, uh, spring break 2020 hits, and, and I'm in full crisis mode, as many of us were. My brain is in overload, trying to be creative and think through how we will finish the youth year and what can be done. And so I shove my feelings about the end even further down as I give everything I have to the youth group here. And summer hits and I am absolutely exhausted. In the fall of 2020, I start to open up a little bit more to Shana about how I'm feeling. I didn't want to make a big decision like this in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of lockdown. And I continued doing my best with what I had to work with for youth ministry in a pandemic, and I prayed continually about what God wanted from me. The 2020-2021 ministry year was the most difficult year I have ever faced. I was playing a game with moving targets, and the rules were constantly changing uh, without me knowing. I was tired, I was confused, I was hurt, and no matter what decision I made, there were people who were just upset, uh, but God sustained me. And I pressed into God like crazy, and I felt convicted that I should have been doing this the whole time anyway. And in the process of prayer and coming before the Lord, I felt I was being called out of youth ministry, but not called out of being a pastor. So I finished out the youth ministry year as best as I could, and I started a new role as the executive pastor. And then I helped form a team, uh, a team of people who would help look and search for our next youth pastor. And this was a great team. We worked really well together. We had great discussions. We worked really hard. Uh, we worked hard to find the next youth pastor for our church, for this congregation. And meanwhile, Zach Gobbett did a great job taking on the leadership of the youth group, and uh, and ran that for the year. And we had two candidates come throughout the year, and they left. And we went into August 2022, realizing that we had no one for September. Now, something that I haven't shared with many people, that as I approached the end of my 11th year at Gospel Chapel, which was around that time, just a few months ago, uh, I. I was ending my first year as the executive pastor. I once again, I started to wrestle with my calling and with my future here. 
Uh, perhaps I don't have many years left here at Gospel Chapel. Maybe I should just stick around for a few more years, make sure things are as smooth as they can be, accomplish a number of tasks, and try to set the church up for success and just end well and be on my way. I started to read more about changing careers, trying totally new things. I kept praying and pressing into God's word, figuring out, trying to figure out what might be next for me after being a pastor. I took my vacation in August and I spent a week at Pines, which was a lot of fun, uh, continuing to pray and to wrestle through things. And then we took a couple weeks in Ontario and I continued to read and pray and talk with close friends. I even contacted an author from one of the books I was reading and, and talked to him about a lot of this stuff. And I started working through this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? You might have heard of it. It's uh, your guide to a lifetime of meaningful work and career success. And it's a, it's a great book, and halfway through, they get you to do these uh, exercises to figure out what you're good at, what you're slated to be, what you should be working in, and what career you should be in. And as I was doing this work, it became painfully obvious to me that I was best suited to work with people, to leading people, and to helping people. So, the book of Jonah starts with something like this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah... But Jonah rose to flee. It's pretty quick. So the entire function of being a prophet, uh, certainly in that time, was the word of God coming down and, and speaking. And, and, and Jonah was fleeing. He wasn't just fleeing a one-time thing where he's like, you know what, I'm just not going to go there on this one, Lord. Uh, he was actually fleeing uh, his calling. He was turning away with being a prophet. And I started to wonder if that started to be uh, the same for me. Uh, you know, instead of being held up as, as an ideal to admire, we find Jonah as a companion in our ineptness. So I'll read that again. Instead of being held up as an ideal to admire, we find Jonah as a companion in our ineptness. So as I wrestled with the, the similarities found in the story of Jonah, it happened. God spoke. And he said, Ben, I created you to be a pastor, so get on with it. <laughs> I wouldn't say that God said something like, shut up and just move on, but maybe smarten up is a good way to put it, yeah. So September 4th was my, my first Sunday back after vacation. And I heard from a few of you, even that very morning, how difficult life has been. And I talked through some, some difficult stuff with some of you, and, and then I got up to pray for the service, and I wept. And uh, part of those tears were for my friend Tim Martins, and, and part of those tears were what I believe is from just a pastor's heart for the congregation. And I try to write out uh, my prayers every day when I do my devotions. I like to just jot them down. And in the middle of writing this sermon, I thought, oh, I wonder what I wrote on September 4th. And this is what I found. Lord, I sense that I have heard your voice as I have sought out my future in working through what color is your parachute, Sunday service, crying over the congregation, and hearing from a few friends. I get the sense that you want me to continue in my work as a pastor. 
I want to be obedient, Lord, perhaps like Jonah. I wanted to get away from this work and calling, but it seems you're calling me back. Help me to live and grow into that calling. Help me to discover what it really means to be a pastor in North America in 2022 and give me the wisdom and insight that I need. So in many ways, I feel like God has renewed me and I'm trying my best to really dig deep into what it means to be a pastor because I think we've lost that definition in North America. Uh, in, the, in the last few weeks even, I have received a, quite a few phone calls uh, from members of this church seeking help, seeking someone to listen to, someone to walk with. Uh, a teacher from the high school uh, invited me to come to his class this last week to speak on what does it mean to be a pastor. <laughs> I'm like, this is wild. Uh, uh, and he wanted me to ask, talk about what the job entails and stuff. And, and uh, on some level, I'm like, whoa, you're asking the wrong guy. Uh, but I thought it was crazy. And some of you who know my story, it's been a rocky relationship sometimes with, with GFSS, where, where I went to school. Um, it was a little nerve-wracking walking into the school that way. And right away, the vice principal said, hey, we're so glad you're here. Let me walk you to the classroom. But I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. And then even as I was writing this sermon on, on uh, Monday, uh, I felt like I was being more of a pastor than, than anything. I, I scheduled the day up at the PV Ranch, up at the cabins. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted the day up there uh, just to pray and to read and, and to actually just take time to write out this sermon. And uh, on the way up, I, I had agreed to stop in and help Gary Friesen. And after we finished, my car broke down and is now most likely in car heaven. Uh, it doesn't move anymore. So instead of spending the day up uh, writing a sermon, I spent the morning with Gary, which was way better anyway. But I came across this as I was reading uh, from Eugene Peterson's memoir called The Pastor, and I thought it, it, it was really good. I, I thought it resonated really well with, with me. It says this, I saw myself assigned to give witness to the sheer livability of the Christian life, that everything in Scripture and Jesus was here to be lived in the mess of work and sin, of families and neighborhoods. My task was to pray and to give direction and encourage that lived quality of the gospel patiently, locally and personally. Patiently, I would stay with these people. There are no quick or easy ways to do this. Locally, I would embrace the conditions of this place, economics, weather, culture, schools, whatever, so that there would be nothing abstract or piously idealized about what I was doing. Personally, I would know them, know their names, know their homes, know their families, know their work, but I would not pry, I would not treat them as a cause or a project, I would treat them with dignity. Preaching, of course, is part of it, teaching is part of it, administering a congregation as a community of faith is part of it, but the overall context of my particular assignment in the pastoral vocation, as much as I am able to do it, is to see to it that these men and women in my congregation become aware of the possibilities and the promise of living out in personal and local detail what is involved in following Jesus 
and be a companion to them as we do it together. Thought that was really good. And now I'm doing youth ministry again. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So why do I tell you these stories? Why do I tell you the story of Jonah in, in 780 BC and the story of Ben in 2022 AD? I tell these stories because I want us to remember our options in life. I know that many of you here have gone through a lot, and each day and each year and each moment we have this choice before us. Will we seek God and be thankful in good times and in the bad times? Or will we seek what we want and end up bitter and frustrated like Jonah? So when, when seeking the Lord for what we, he would have me say to you today, this was a verse that came to mind. John 16, 33. I've said these things to you, that in me you have, may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. God wants you to be encouraged today. Not to just to put on a happy face and just say that I'm fine and, and not actually be real. We don't have to be fine, but we can be thankful. We can find peace and rest in the arms of Jesus while we are in the storm or the calm of life. In Romans 8, 31 to 39, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jonah was one of, if not the worst prophet. Sorry, Jonah. He had this calling in his life and he ran from it, not because he was just afraid, we might be able to work with that, but because he was afraid that God would save them. There is this really weird part, uh, it, you know, near the end when Jonah's angry. He said to the Lord, I knew it. <laughs> I knew that you were, where is it here? You were... <laughs> merciful and you're gracious and you're slow to anger and you're steadfast love and relenting from disaster it's like yeah why are you upset about this jonah like these are amazing things it's like i knew it i knew you were good it's, like, <laughs> it's because he wanted them dead he wanted these ninevites these assyrians dead it's like oh man jonah so perhaps this morning uh, perhaps this morning you're sitting here thinking you have nothing to be thankful for. You know, Thanksgiving, maybe Thanksgiving could be a, a tough time. Um, perhaps perhaps you, you barely made it out of bed 
and out the door today. Maybe you're struggling with some very heavy and very difficult things. Maybe your life feels like a storm. It's easy to get bogged down by the world around us, by the things that are happening. Even this morning, I don't know why I do this as often, I probably should stop, but I was reading the news. It's like, the price of gold is down. I don't have gold, so I guess it's not that big of a deal, but the price of gold is down. Uh, and there was this article that basically was really negative about Thanksgiving. I'm like, wow, we're going to take everything good and make it really depressing. It's like, be careful celebrating today. I'm like, oh. And then an article that said, of all the Canadian hockey teams, Vancouver will be the worst. <laughs> Throw my phone away. Great. I think it is completely fair to be frustrated, to, to be upset, to be angry, and to be sad about how things are going. These are silly examples, but I know that we go through really real things. Uh, it, can, it can be totally fair to have those emotions when you're going through a really tough time. But don't miss God in all of it. It's easy to praise God and see him moving in the good times. It can be difficult to see him in the bad. And we must remember, in any circumstance, God's love is flowing heavier and harder than Niagara Falls. God's love doesn't change. Uh, we, we can't live in despair like Jonah did. We don't want to end our story there. Jonah ends really abruptly. You want there to be more and there's nothing. It's like, that's it. We don't want to end there. Press into prayer during the good and the bad. Seek God and he won't let you down. I believe the story of Jonah is actually one that shows God's love for the individual. It wasn't just about God saving the Assyrians, it was a story of God pursuing Jonah. The storm was God's love, the fish was God's love, the plant was God's love. God was pursuing Jonah and giving him all sorts of chances. So what is in your life right now that may seem like tragedy but is in fact the love of God. That may just be God pursuing you. Don't miss it. You know, people often like to say, God won't give you more than you can handle, but it's just not true. It's, it's not really in the Bible at all. Uh, if you talk to anyone who's gone through really, really hard times or tragedy, they'll tell you that they don't feel like they can handle it. And that's totally fair. What we really need to say to one another is Jesus knows this pain you are experiencing. Jesus has gone before you. Jesus paid the ultimate price and took on the ultimate suffering. Therefore, we know that all that we face on earth in this time, even with what looks like things crumbling all around us, we will not lose heart. We will be encouraged because we are not without hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That is a great passage. If anyone is here at my funeral, read that a few times. Don't mean to be bleak, but... Read that for me. That would be great. And Matthew 12, 
38 to 42, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will be the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. I'm going to stop there. Jesus did it, and he is inviting you into that story with him. That's the story we need to hang on to on, on Thanksgiving. Uh, will you take heart and walk with him through the good times and the storms? Will you trust him uh, through the power of the cross? We think of tragedy and we think of these awful things that happen in our lives and it's just not fair. And the only answer I really have for you is, is to, it used to be over there, the cross, uh, is to look at the cross. That's the only answer I have when you're going through really, really tough times. It's the only way that kind of makes sense, at least to me. So as you reflect on the story of Jonah, and as you reflect on your own present circumstances in the recent days and months, and maybe years, here are just a few questions I want to end with uh, for you to consider today. Number one, how have you reflected on the last few years? So where, where was God at work? What were the storms that brought you closer to God? What are you thankful for? Number two, is my heart getting softer? Obviously, Jonah's wasn't. So is your will trumping God's will? Are you running to Tarshish when God has asked you to preach in Nineveh? Or how are you responding to the Holy Spirit? Are you responding at all? And finally, am I growing in gratitude? Is anyone even more grateful this year at Thanksgiving than last year? I'm sure, but are, are we growing in any gratitude? To be grateful is to recognize the work of God in everything. To be the grateful person knows God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. Obedience is powered by gratitude. Be grateful in everything. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the power of the cross. I thank you that you went before us that you died on the cross for us, that no matter what we face on earth, the tragedy, the hardship, uh, the, the difficulties, the real things of life, uh, we can continue to look at the cross and, and see an answer, that we can see that, yes, you died on the cross, but you came back, uh, and you offer this, this amazing gift to us, this grace. Lord, I just pray for us today as we might be walking in times of great confusion. Maybe we're running from God in a way like I was. Uh, perhaps we are just angry at what we believe God has done to us. Um, Lord, I just pray that you soften our hearts, uh, that we can turn to you, um, that, that we know that you'll, you'll be there as you were for Jonah over and over and over again. And you don't give up and you won't give up on us either, Lord. I thank you for that. So just pray as, as we go into this afternoon and, and this week, uh, as we remember this uh, work on the cross, that we have thankful hearts for what you've done for us.